0: to run down to the capital, and hold a conference with the promoters of the proposed company. My parents were aging fast, and now, that I was moderately wealthy, it was a pleasure to drop in on them for a week, and hearten their declining years. Accordingly, with the expectation of combining filial duty and business, I took Edwards with me and picked up the major at his home, and the trio of us journeyed eastward. I was ten days late in reaching Washington. It was the Christmas season in the valley. Every darky that our family ever owned renewed his acquaintance with Mars Reed, and was remembered in a way befitting the season. The recess for the holidays was over on my reaching the capital, yet in the meantime a crude outline of the proposed company was under consideration. On the advice of our silent partner, who well knew that his business associates were slightly out of their element at social functions and might take alarm, all banquets were cut out, and we met in little parties at cafés and swell bar-rooms. In the course of a few days all the preliminaries were agreed on, and a general conference was called. Neither my active partner nor myself was an orator but we had coached the silent member of the firm to act in our behalf. The senator was a flowery talker, and in prefacing his remarks, he delved into antiquity, mentioning the Aryan myth wherein the drifting clouds were supposed to be the cows of the gods, driven to and from their feeding grounds. Coming down to a later period, he referred to cattle being figured on Egyptian monuments raised 2,000 years before the Christian era, and, to the important part, they were made to play in Greek and Roman mythology. Referring to ancient biblical times, he dwelt on the pastoral existence of the old patriarchs, as they peacefully led their herds from sheltered nook to pastures green. Passing down and through the cycles of change from ancient to modern times, He touched upon the relation of cattle to the food supply of the world. And finally, the object of the meeting was reached. In few and concise words, an outline of the proposed company was set forth, its objects and limitations. A pound of beef, it was asserted, was as staple as a loaf of bread. The production of the one was as simple as the making of the other, and both were looked upon equally as the staff of life. Other remarks of a general nature followed. The capital was limited to one million dollars, though double the capitalization could have been readily placed at the first meeting. Satisfactory committees were appointed on organization, and other preliminary steps and books were opened for subscriptions. Deference was shown our firm. And I subscribed the same amount as my partners, except that half my subscription was made in the name of George Edwards, as I wanted him on the executive committee, if the company ever got beyond its present embryo state. The trio of us taking only one hundred and fifty thousand dollars. There was a general scramble for the remainder. The preliminary steps having been taken, nothing further could be done until a range was secured. My active partner, George Edwards, and myself were appointed on this committee, and, promising to report at the earliest convenience, we made preparations for returning west. A change of administration was approaching, and before leaving the capital, Edwards, my partners, and myself called on secretaries, shurs of the Interior Department, and Ramsey of the War Department. We had done an extensive business with both departments in the past, and were anxious to learn the attitude of the government in regard to leasing lands from the civilized Indian nations. A lease for the Cherokee outlet was pending, but, for lack of precedent, the retiring Secretary of the Interior, for fear of reversal by the succeeding administration, lent only a qualified approval of the same. There were six million acres of land in the outlet, a splendid range for maturing beef, and, if an adequate-sized ranch could be secured, the new company could begin operations at once. The Cherokee Nation was anxious to secure a just rental. An association had offered $200,000 a year for the Strip, and all that was lacking was a single word of endorsement from the paternal government. Hoping that the incoming administration would take favorable action permitting civilized Indian tribes to lease their surplus lands we returned to our homes. The Cherokee Strip Cattle Association had been temporarily organized some time previous, not being chartered, however, until March 1883, and was the proposed lycée of the outlet in which our beef ranch lay. The organization was a local one, created for the purpose of removing all friction between the Cherokees and the individual holders of cattle in the Strip. The officers and directors of the association were all practical cattlemen, owners of herds and ranges in the outlet, paying the same rental as others into the general treasury of the organization. Major Hunter was well acquainted with the officers, and volunteered to take the matter up at once. By making application in person, for a large range in the Cherokee Strip. There was no intention on the part of our firm to forsake the trail, this cattle company being merely a side issue, and active preparations were begun for the coming summer. The annual cattle convention would meet again in Fort Worth in February. With the West for our market, and Texas the main source of supply, there was no occasion for any delay in placing our contracts for trail stock. The closing figures obtainable at Dodge and Ogallala the previous summer had established a new scale of prices for Texas, and a buyer must either pay the advance or let the cattle alone. Edwards and I were in the field fully three weeks before the convention met, covering our old buying grounds and venturing into new ones, advancing money liberally on all contracts and returning to the meeting with thirty herds secured. Major Hunter met us at the convention, and while nothing definite was accomplished in securing a range, a hopeful word had reached us in regard to the new administration. Starting the new company that spring was out of the question, and all energies were thrown into the forthcoming drive. Representatives from the Northwest again swept down on the convention. All Texas was there, and for three days and nights the cattle interests carried the keys of the city. Our firm offered nothing, but, on the other hand, bought three herds of panhandle steers for acceptance early in April. Three weeks of active work were required to receive the cattle, the herds starting again with the grass. My individual contingent included ten year old steers, two full herds of two-year-old heifers, and 7,000 cows. The latter were driven in two herds, extra wagons with oxen attached, accompanied each in order to save the calves, as a youngster was an assistance in selling an old cow. Everything was routed by Doan's Crossing. Both Edwards and myself accompanying the herds, while Major Hunter returned as usual by rail. The new route, known as the Western Trail, was more direct than the Chisholm, though beset by Comanche and Kiowa Indians, once powerful tribes, but now little more than beggars. The trip was nearly featureless, except that during a terrible storm on Big Elk, a number of Indians took shelter under and around one of our wagons, and a squaw was killed by lightning. For some unaccountable reason, the old dame defied the elements and had climbed up on a water barrel which was ironed to the side of the commissary wagon, when the bolt struck her and she tumbled off dead among her people. The incident created quite a commotion among the Indians, who set up a keening, and the husband of the squaw refused to be comforted until i gave him a stray cow when he smiled and asked for a bill of sale so that he could sell the hide at the agency i shook my head and the cook told him in spanish that no one but the owner could give a bill of sale when he looked reproachfully at me and said maybe so you steal him